Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. I hope you're glad to be with me. So this is part one of Leaders Who Cage and Tame Tigers. Leaders Who Cage and Tame Tigers. Once I began this journey that we call today Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, it was 1996, I began the very slow process of uh, beginning to address tigers conflicts, difficulties, and protect the values that were important to me. I actually began to get clear about what my values were as well. Up to then, I would just say I was a good Christian nice, not a good Christian nice. I was Christian nice, avoiding conflict and pain, and as a result, led to lots of difficulties and confusion. And so tigers, I'm going to define them here, are uh, are people in situations that damage a community with their lack of awareness and maturity perhaps behaviors, their own engenders or vision. But uh, as we'll see in just a few moments in this parable uh, I'm going to share with you, uh, they just do damage to others in the community. Uh, and then this is what makes it such a challenge to leadership. It's, there's a great challenge within it. What do we do? And so there's actually two extremes. Uh, one extreme is we do nothing. Uh, it's a kind of a free-for-all, the book of Judges. Everyone does as they see fit. And we're not quite sure what to do with uh, strong people who seem to be hurting other people because uh, it doesn't just go away by itself. That's one extreme. I did some of that. Uh, then there's the other extreme, which is we see someone doing damage in the community and we pounce on them. We're so concerned about purity. Uh, and I can think of one local church near us here in New York City that would uh, that actually a husband had an affair, left the church, and actually they called the wife forward and really shamed her in the process. And again, just the desire to be, we don't want any Aikens in our midst and sin in our midst and you know, not want to be misunderstood and be holy and all that in, a, in, in an unhealthy way. Uh, the other extreme is uh, doing damage through the a, attempt to tame tigers or uh, cage tigers. So it takes tremendous wisdom and maturity uh, to handle the issue of tigers and people that can dam or do damage to a community. So we're talking here today about a topic that's, I'm going to call it high-level leadership, which means highly nuanced discipleship applied to leadership. And it's also a high spiritual warfare issue as well. And so if you're saying like me, well, why, why, why do these things keep happening to me? And, and why do they happen to me as a leader? And uh, part of it is we're involved in a fallen, broken world and building a church, building a community that's healthy in the name of Jesus, it's going to be a light to the world, uh, that is a, that's a quite a large calling. Uh, leadership is challenging. And I remember saying to myself often in the early years, especially, and, uh, you know, if I could just go be a carpenter and build houses or uh, go be a baker in the bakery shop like my family had come from and not have to deal with all these people, uh, how much easier life would be? Well, they would have their own set of challenges as a carpenter or a baker, but uh, there are clear challenges that come to any one of us who, we're, we're, as we're leading a church, and one of the greatest ones is how do we deal with tigers that actually are in our in the midst of the community and are doing damage, and how do we address it? How do we deal with it? So I want to I want to build my comments today around a, a famous parable uh, that comes out of a book called Friedman's Fables by uh, Edwin Freeman, and the parable is called. Um, the uh, tiger and the forest or the lamb and the tiger in the forest. That's a great little uh, parable. And uh, so let me just share it with you. And then we'll, I'll go and make some of my applications and thoughts around, uh, around it. Okay. So here, here it goes. 
Once upon a time in the friendly forest, I understand that forest was called a friendly forest, there lived a lamb who gra loved to graze and frolic about. But one day a tiger came to the forest and said to the other animals, I would like to live among you. And they were delighted, the other animals, and because other forests, you know, they had tigers, but they, did, they didn't have a tiger in their woods. But the lamb, however, was apprehensive, and which being a lamb was sheepishly, sheepish. And finally she said to her friends, you know, I, I don't feel good about this. And the friends said back to her, don't worry, we will talk to the tiger and explain that one of the conditions for living in the forest is that you must let other animals live in the forest also. So the lamb went about her life as usual. But it was not long before the tiger began to growl and make threatening gestures and menacing motions to the lamb. And every time the frightened lamb would then go to her friends and say, I'm very uncomfortable uh, and it's very uncomfortable for me here in the forest. But her friends reassured her, don't worry, that's just the way tigers behave. And they pointed out that no harm had really befallen her and that perhaps she was just being too sensitive. So the lamb again tried to put the tiger out of her mind. But every now and then, usually when she was least prepared, the tiger would give her another startle. Finally, the lamb couldn't take it anymore. She decided that much as she loved the forest and her friends, the cost was too great. So she went to the other animals in the forest and she said goodbye. But her friends would not hear of it. They said, surely this whole thing can be worked out. This is probably just some misunderstanding that can be resolved if we all sit down together and communicate. Though at that point, one of the less subtle animals in the forest was overheard to remark, I've never heard of anything so ridiculous. If you want a lamb and a tiger to live in the same forest, you don't try to make them communicate. You cage the bloody tiger. I'll say it again. If you want, She said, if you want the lamb and the tiger to live in the same forest, you don't try to make them communicate. You cage the bloody tiger tiger. So tigers, again, by their very nature, uh, eat other animals like lambs. And so in this case, the tiger, tigers damage a community with their immature, their behavior, their lack of awareness, and they're invasive, they're unaware, and they, they have potential to hurt people. So there's a number of questions around this friendly forest like that, that are a great leadership question, such as why do the animals excuse the tiger's nature? and they try to make the lamb adapt. Uh, and if the tiger eats the lamb, whose fault will it be? Uh, will it be the lamb's fault for maybe seducing the tiger or being too attractive to the tiger? Will it be the tiger's fault? Uh, or you know, to what extent are the destructive effects of evil in a community the result of an immature system uh, or immature leadership? So let's unpack that a bit because every, leadership is, a, is the exercise of power. It's a stewardship of power. And the best description I know of power is, is the capacity to influence other people. That's why everyone has power, God-given power. But leaders have a particular power, especially Christian leaders. And it's very important that we're aware of it, we reflect on it, uh, because it really is God-given. And so uh, if you ever read the, in, in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, I do a whole chapter on power and wise boundaries. But it's important to identify, and I mentioned you know, six or seven uh types of power there. There's positional power, such as your, your title in the organization, your staff at church or leader of a ministry or a board member, uh, your CEO. 
Then there's personal power based on your gifts, your knowledge, your personality, your education, the amount of money you have, opportunities you've had in life. Then there's God factor power, that just sacred weight we carry as uh, people who represent God, Christian leaders who lead in the name of Jesus. People just trust us. I mean, it's really quite frightening the power people attribute to us. And that's why there is projected power, how people uh, imagine us to be. Uh, then there's relational power that if the years people trust us in a way and then there's a cultural power just uh there, there are certain cultural ethnic gender racial generational nuances and uh and different parts of the world look at culture and race and age differently and so there's that there's a lot of power involved in leadership and so and that's why leaders it's so critical that we, we do a good inventory of our power so the question then is is how do we exercise it? And, and, and especially when we have tigers in our midst or people who apparently are doing damage to other people. And uh, and again, of course, it requires that we become aware of dual relationships. So let me just say at the outset, this is, this is lonely work. Uh, just look at the life of Jesus and his own suffering and loneliness of leadership. And it, it takes some serious self-discipline to, to exercise and steward power, power well, especially in the difficult situations uh, where you have tigers emerging. So let me give you three lessons I think that come out of this parable that are worth considering uh, for your own leadership today. The first is this, that good leaders summon the courage to cage the tiger out of love for their community. The good leaders, number one, they, they summon the courage to, 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 to cage the tiger out of love for their community. In other words, what was needed in the friendly forest were, were healthy, differentiated leaders who knew who they were and who they weren't, that weren't swayed by uh, the pressure from other people. In the friendly forest, the, the leaders were, 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 were kind of, they were enmeshed, they were fused. It was called the friendly forest. They wanted to be friendly to everybody, uh, but they didn't want to engage in conflict uh, around this tiger. And the tiger was obviously a strong individual, strong animal, uh, and uh, they wanted to be friendly. They were fused, they were enmeshed. Uh, but good leadership summons the courage to cage the tiger out of love for the community. In my early years, uh, I prided myself on loving everybody, um, and I sure didn't engage conflict. Well, I avoided it at all, all costs, and I, I was very confusing uh, as a leader to follow. And so I can remember, uh, for example, one individual, a, a young man who was really gifted uh, prophetically and uh you know, he had got words from God and, you know, real prayer faster. The problem was he was, he was unteachable and proud uh, and wasn't really very good at being married to his spouse either. Uh, and I, I just, I just let it go on. I, but he, he was creating a, uh, a, a culture around him and he actually was hurting some people around him because of sometimes the rem remarks that would come out of him were just, uh, were not with velvet around them. They had a brick on them. And they may have been true, but they were coming out of him in such a way that uh, they were hurtful. And um, I didn't want to deal with him and the effects of his, quote, ministry, because I knew he wouldn't listen to me because he wasn't, nobody could teach him but Jesus himself directly, you know. And uh, But finally, I did summon the courage uh, to finally, you know, confront him and talk to him about it. Uh, another... A uh, story that happened to me continually, uh, especially in my early years, uh, pre-EH discipleship, was uh, a person with a you know a large responsibility who would come to me and others in leadership and would 
ask for things or say things that and, and basically said, if we don't do this, he wouldn't say quite like this, but it was very clear this was the message that if you don't do this, I'll quit. I'll take my marbles and go home. So it was, it was a threat. And obviously also created a certain culture and environment and uh, was quite unhealthy and hurtful, especially if he got on the wrong side of his um, opinions and thoughts. And uh, for years, I didn't confront it until I finally did. And once I got on this journey called EH Discipleship, and I think I'm another um, gifted leader, um, staff person, actually, who uh, for years was was quite effective in growing her ministry you know, numerically and people being very loyal uh, to her, but uh, not teachable, especially the larger her ministry grew in some way, she, the less teachable she became. And uh, I was very, I was dancing around it because I didn't want to ever have to get in a situation where if I explored it, especially got into her inner life and perhaps her marriage, uh, and I had to let her go, it would be a disaster. I had people who would hate me and I didn't want to be hated. I wanted to have a friendly forest. And uh, and uh, so it was a it was a problem that grew into a tiger situation in the sense of where now there were other people now being hurt uh, by some of the gaps in her leadership that went back to her inner life. And uh, when out of love for the community, I finally did confront it and go, you know, address it at least and open it up. Uh, it was, of course, way messier than I originally thought it was my worst fears founded. And uh, but of course, in the long run, it always turned out to be quite good and uh, healthy for the community as a whole. Uh, and I believe for her in the long run as well. Listen, Abraham Lincoln, if you know the story in 1861, when he became president of the United States, a civil war broke out uh, that lasted four years. But he was a leader who had values and um, he did what was right for the country, but it caused a civil war. But the five presidents before him were known as compromise presidents. And that is that they, they didn't want conflict. So they just let slavery go on in the Southern states. Uh, they compromised, uh, they wanted a friendly forest, uh, but they actually did more damage and made things much worse in the long run. It's actually a situation, an example of this is I've been reading the book of Revelation in my you know, time with Jesus in the morning. And it's so interesting because one of the churches of the seven churches in Asia in Revelation chapter two is Thyatira. And Jesus goes after this church and says, uh, you tolerate uh, this woman Jezebel in your midst. And Jezebel is a, is a you know, uh, goes back in Israel history, a time of Elijah, 1100 years before the book of Revelation was written. But it's, it's meant to be a, a you tolerate a, this person or persons in, in the church who are actually doing damage to other people. And Jesus says, I have this against you and you need to confront her. Um, and, and so I, I, I say this is so important on point number one here, that good leaders summon the courage to cage a tiger out of love for the community. And that, listen, who likes conflict? I mean, who, who likes confrontation? I know very, very few Christian leaders who do. Most of us are just nice. And so it is critical, it is, it is critical that we learn uh, and master uh, some skills, relational skills, so that we can have a clean fight and a clean caging of tigers. This is that's a, this is a very high level conflict resolution, uh, and this is what got me over the years into uh, emotionally healthy relationship skills, uh, becoming master at things like genogram, how your family's impacted you in the past, clean fighting, not dirty fighting, speaking clearly, respectfully, honestly, climbing the ladder of integrity. How do I get a hold of my integrity and values? 
not mind reading, clarifying expectations. So I want to encourage if you don't know these relationship skills for yourself in your own life on a base level with your friends or perhaps your family or marriage or team, before there's tiger situations, uh, please, you want to you want to get a hold of that relationship uh, course, emotionally relationships course, and uh, you want to do it with your team. In fact, go to our website. We have a new website just came up at emotionallyhealthy.org and it's got three categories, you, your, your team, and your church. Uh, and I really look at those relationship skills as a, in particular as a team because uh, you really want to get highly uh, skilled and trained internally and aware so that you can steward your power well and uh, have the courage to face the, the cage of tiger when you need to for the sake of the, your love for the community. Let me move on here to number two. Second thing is this, good leaders clearly define the values and boundaries of acceptable and unacceptable behavior for the community or for the team. I'll say it again, good leaders clearly define the values and boundaries of acceptable and unacceptable behavior in the community. It is our role as leaders to establish what is the values, what are the expectations of a team, of other leaders, members, but especially other leaders. And uh, clearly define it, that's highly differentiated leadership. I know who I am and who I'm not. We talked about that last week in that John the Baptist message. And it's our role to, to establish that. So things, for example, such as humility or brokenness or leading out of weakness or teachability or gentleness or, or a certain level of spirituality. Now, again, I didn't start in four. I wasn't clear. I, you know, my I knew my, my values. I wasn't crystal clear about them uh, until I really got on this journey of emotionally discipleship. My own self-discovery, it got me to a level of values beyond just kind of general ones, the things that I was like, no, this is life and death for me. I'll die on this hill. And uh, I, I used to say it took me years to, to really lead consistently well, uh, to get differentiated enough to say, no, these are my values. These are the boundaries. This is what's acceptable and not acceptable here in this community. And actually then go after it. So uh, some of the things, of course, were easy. Things such as, you know, a, a, a guy who... Uh, was a single fellow was consistently uh, going after uh, young ladies inappropriately. Um, he needed to be caged. Okay, that was easy, right? All right, and, and stop. That's you know, that, that, I, I get that one. Or a person's not doing their job, um, or and is highly critical. They're actually on staff, and I wasn't dealing with that either. And okay, got went after that, you know, and and uh, I, I got on. I'm not a value is you're on staff and you work here. You're not highly critical. Um, and yes, you do your job, you're being paid to do like, okay, we're going to get clear about that. And it's not quite a, that's not a caging a tiger, but it created culture around us. But when it came to situations down in our church, for example, we're in a, we're a multiracial church and uh, we're committed to being a multiracial church and you got 75 plus countries here. And so um, I can think of one, I remember one situation very clearly as I was moving into this thing we call emotionally healthy discipleship and leadership, when um, we would have panels of uh, folks uh, from different ethnic groups, African-American, Latino, uh, Asian-American, you know, maybe white person, maybe even Eastern European, whatever it might be, and having these high-level discussions on race and class. Uh, but there was, there was one person in particular that um, would use actually these, these contexts of racial reconciliation, which are highly charged, at least here in our country, the United States, and it was almost like weaponized reconciliation or weaponized, uh, you know, re weaponized, uh, I'll call it weaponized reconciliation, where you're talking about high level thing, high level things like, you know, um, systemic racism and 
some of the core issues, but it became a weapon to actually hurt people because the person was just unaware of some of their own unresolved issues of their own genogram um, stuff. And and uh, I had to actually I had to like cage this person. I said, no, you're not you're not in a character maturity place to actually be here in this discussion yet. Listen, there can be weaponized per meetings, weaponized enneagrams, uh, there can be weaponized EHS, something good that gets used as a weapon. Uh, and that's got to be that. That's you define that value. Say so, no, we don't. We don't use anything as a weapon. We're about being a loving, loving community. We love people and value people in the image of God. Um, we had one person in leadership actually on our board uh, that uh, you know boards uh, are meant to when there's fires are meant to put water on that fire. You know this person in particular when there was a conflict or a tension in the church as a, as a board member they would throw gasoline on it and make it worse. Uh, and one of my early mistakes in the early years was allowing people to get into leadership before their character was ready to be in leadership uh, because they had gifts, they had zeal, they had time and energy. Um, and uh, then people would end up getting hurt. And so as I got in this journey, one of my challenges was to begin to address some of these situations which people, other people were getting hurt because of my lack of leadership. Much like, again, this story of the friendly forest I wasn't doing anything, uh, but yet there were, in the process, people like who are lambs were getting hurt. And I remember having to go to him with another board member and finally having to address him uh, and ask him to resign from the board and then actually remove him from the board. Uh, he did willingly resign, thank God, but it was very painful. It did hurt our relationship for a few years, and but all got back fine. But it the good leadership defines the values and boundaries of what's acceptable and unacceptable behavior and actually then enforces it because we're creating culture, a culture of community, a culture of discipleship on, on so many levels. So it's, it's for the person doing the behavior. Um, now, again, it's interesting that the elder I mentioned earlier, this oh, I asked it off the board, I would not call him a tiger, you know, but, uh, you know, since it because a tiger in it, some, some people never learn. They're not going to change. They're unaware of it. He actually did over time. Um, but it, it, it took time. Uh, but when you when you when a good leader is actually get out there and, and cage tigers out of love for the community, define values and boundaries for the community, it is so healthy for everyone. It creates a, a, an atmosphere of safety, actually, uh, and lifts the whole level of community to another level, which leads me to my third application, which is this. Good leaders uh, receive the gifts from God that emerge out of these kinds of intense conflicts of caging tigers so that they themselves can grow and mature into Christ-likeness. Let me say that again, it's so important, that good leaders receive the gifts from God that emerge out of these kinds of intense conflicts. Because we talk about caging tigers, these are intense conflicts. And they actually become means for us to grow and mature into greater Christ-likeness. Listen, my history is one of failure around caging tigers or dealing with difficult conflicts that were having a negative impact on our community and our mission. Uh, and what I did over many years was after each failure uh, and then a few successes or half successes, I was consistently, and I grew over many years of reflecting on what happened, taking responsibility for my piece of it, journaling, getting mentoring, coming back, going back, but, but putting the time into it to let God teach me and train me about what, how do I lead well in a well-differentiated uh, fashion, but in a way that's kind and respectful to other people. And so... When you find yourself in these situations, these high-level conflict situations, 
um, intentions and you're wondering, is this person, is a, is a tiger or something damaging happening here in the community? And it's not always crystal clear, like a sexual abuse situation uh, or person preying on someone else. It may be that or someone being totally out of order needs to be confronted. But sometimes it's a bit, uh, it's less than that, but, but it's serious. The, the first person is going to get a gift from God is God's allowing this in your life. Um, I am not the same person because of these situations. That's why one of the greatest gifts God has given me over the years has been the gift of being a lead pastor for 26 years uh, and, and just being in leadership has been such a gift because it forced me to deal with my gaps, my uh, my do my own self-work because uh, I got tired of recycling the same old problems. I hope you are as well. And uh, so I, it forced me to mature. It was a gift from God. I would not be who I am today. But then as well, the church, every time you... Uh, cage a tiger, you mature and your ministry matures that the church does. I had a wise mentor say to me, Pete, every time you and, and Jerry are differentiating and growing yourself, you are changing the whole church. You're raising the level of differentiation of the church because what happens is things that were even possible to be tolerated that were that were you know, unhealthy or pathological in the early years would never even begin to happen even on a small group level because the, cult, the whole community has been raised up through your leadership work that you've done. So so that's why, again, I, I say it all the time here, you want to let, let God work on you. That's the greatest gift you could give to the people you serve is invest in yourself and your own being with Jesus uh, and maturing into a godly woman, a godly man. Uh, so uh, is this difficult? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's a it's an incredibly high calling and a, and a high privilege to be in leadership. Whether I don't care if you're a board member listening to this, a, a staff member, you work for a nonprofit, a seminary, a Bible school, Christian marketplace, the word is integrity. Uh, to have enough integrity in and of yourself to actually, number one, cage tigers out of love for them and love for the ministry. Uh, and then secondly, to also to clearly define the boundaries and values of what's acceptable, not acceptable in the community for the sake of the mission. And thirdly, to receive even these sufferings, uh, these, these intense conflicts as gifts from God given to you so you can actually mature and grow, grow up uh, into a true spiritual leader and adult. So we'll pick this up next week with a part two. Uh, but let me encourage you to go to our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. Uh, this week, we just released uh, a new design uh, and pathway on our website. Uh, and you can go on the pathway for you or your team or your church. And you can go to which one works for you. Uh, and uh, we pray that you'll be on this journey with us because the church desperately needs well-differentiated, loving leaders who are able to follow Jesus and, and, and at the right moments and the right time do the great work of caging tigers. God bless everybody. May you have a wonderful day and the Lord be with you.